0: That was fun. Open your Bibles with me this morning to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Today's Palm Sunday. We already talked about that with the kids. This is the week that Jesus was headed towards the cross. And so, you know, we're continuing our series about the cross. Have you ever thought about the way we use the cross so often in our everyday speaking? When you have a decision to make, you're at a... Crossroads, right? Okay. When there's a disaster, one of the first groups that shows up is the red. Okay, you get it. Red cross. Uh, when a hunter is hunting, he takes his gun and he puts his scope and he's trying to get his prey in the crosshairs. Okay. When a soccer player is playing, he will often cross the ball across in front of the net, hoping somebody will head it into the net and get it under the crossbar. When flying, if you've ever flown on a commercial jet, you get in, you get settled down, you come the, uh, the, the flight attendants, I always want to say stewardesses, the flight attendants will tell you, make sure you got your seatbelts done. They go around, they check everything, and they shut all the things, and the pilot comes on and says, attendants, do your cross-check. If you've studied too long, you get cross-eyed. Uh, if you take a trip, To another country, you go on a cross-cultural event for experience. If the wind's blowing to right angles to which you're at, it's at a cross breeze, right? And then a sampling of our society might be a cross section. We've used it so much that often the world has lost sight of what the word cross means. So we need to help the lost world discover the meaning of the cross. As I said, this is the, we're remembering the last week of Jesus before the resurrection, before Sunday, before the exciting things happen. But there are a lot of things that happen this week uh, as Jesus is, is heading towards the cross. And well, as we told the kids, today's Prom Sunday. And Jesus went into the city, to the crowds crying out, Hosanna! Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because they were expecting. A savior to do something for him. By the way, the word hosanna is often translated, uh, please save us. The, the word literally means, uh, um, it's a demand or a command, excuse me, a, a command or a request for deliverance, depending on how it's used in the Hebrew. In fact, the word hosanna comes straight out of the Hebrew. It's transliterated into the, to the Greek, and that's the way we do it in English. The Old Testament word hosanna. When you read it in the Bible, is the word hosanna. So we do the same thing in the English. We transliterate. We just bring it in. Um, We don't know whether the people were crying out a plea or a command, but they expected something out of Jesus. The first day of the week, they celebrated Jesus. Well, he got into Jerusalem. One of the first things he did was went to the temple. And you remember what he did to the temple? He went in there and and he saw all those money changers there, those people selling their wares. He went in and he upset the table of the money changers and he cleansed the temple. He said, my Father's house is to be a house of prayer for the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. I don't think that was part of Carnegie's How to Influence Friends. You know, whatever the name of the title book. He didn't make a lot of friends there as He did that. And then, during the week, He celebrated the Passover with His disciples. And they'd been celebrating the Passover all the way back to the time of of the Exodus when Moses led them out of of Egypt. And Jesus took those elements that they were so familiar with. that, That unleavened bread that they ate as they were going out. In the, and He said, this is My body, which is for you. That week as He's preparing to go to the cross, He's saying, I'm offering Me for Your salvation. And then He took that cup, and actually took several cups, but He took the cup, and He said, this cup is the covenant of My blood. And so they understood now something new's coming. Well, then Jesus left there, went out in the garden, and with His disciples, He says, pray, and He went over it by Himself a little way. He took Peter, James, and John, and He began to pray. And he, the, Even though the disciples kept falling asleep, Jesus was praying with such earnestness. Father, not My will, let Your will be done. It says that, that the sweat that poured off of Him was like great drops of blood. And then as he's praying, the crowd comes. The mob from the city led by the religious leaders. In front of them was one of His disciples, Judas, who betrayed Him with a kiss. And Jesus was arrested. And He was carried back or driven back to the house of Annas, the father of the high priest Caiaphas. And there... One of those three closest of Peter, James, and John. Peter denied him three times. And then he was dragged before Caiaphas and the whole Sanhedrin. And they accused him. They made this accusation and this accusation and this accusation. And the witnesses couldn't agree, but finally, they got one. He claims he's the Son of God. And so they drug him out He got Pilate up. and said, Pilate, this man's guilty. He needs to be crucified. Pilate found a fault in him. Sent him to Herod when he found he he was from, from Galilee. Herod wanted to see a miracle, but he didn't find any fault in him. Sent him back to Pilate. And finally, because of the pressure... of the religious leaders, we have no king but Caesar. You're not doing what Caesar would have done. All that pressure, he said, okay, i wash my hands. You crucify Him. Let the blood be on you and your your children. And they took Him out. They paraded Him through the city where He carried His cross. And then beat Him. And then hung Him on a cross. And while he's there on the cross, he demonstrated the love of God for those people. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. The thief that was repentant to his side, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he cried out. It's finished. It's finished. Father, everything You've sent me to do, it's done. And He bowed His head and died. Our redemption was paid for on the cross. It's finished. And then His body was taken and laid in an empty tomb. Excuse me, in a tomb. And and there He was left. you have to come back Sunday to get the rest part of the story. Because there Jesus was in the tomb. I love cross songs. We sang a couple of them this morning. Next Sunday morning, I hope we sing the song Low in the Grave, You Way. Jesus, my Savior, Low in the Grave, Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave you arose. I love that. I love all the songs. One of my favorites is a song by Keith and, and, and Kristen Getty called The Power of the Cross. And I'm not going to read all of it for you, but I want to read just the chorus. This the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the shame, we stand forgiven at the cross. The Apostle Paul, looking at the cross, said in, in Galatians 6.14, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the church at Philippi, he wrote, you know, I could, I could brag about all these things, but he said, I consider them as nothing." compared to the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What does the cross mean to you? I want us to see three things this morning about the cross of Jesus. First, I want us to see the beauty of the cross. What's beautiful about the cross? Now I know you go in a lot of places, they have beautiful crosses. I love our cross up here because it reminds us of what Jesus did. In the past, I've given my wife several crosses that she's worn. I used to wear one, a, a big one, when I was in high school. I used to wear it all the time. But if you were to speak to someone in Jesus' day and talked about the beauty of the cross, they would have thought, you're crazy. A cross was a Roman instrument of torture and humiliation and execution. It was created to cause the most pain in a prolonged death. Roman philosopher uh, Cicero wrote, the cross speaks of that which is so shameful and so horrible, it should never be mentioned in polite society. The thought was considered to be a gruesome object of horror. And nobody would dare think about hanging a picture of the cross on their wall, it would be like you and I taking a a, a picture of a gallows with people hanging on them and putting it on the wall of our house and saying, isn't this beautiful? You wouldn't think about it. But the cross is beautiful. Because on the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sin. On the cross, Jesus shed His blood that we might know God's forgiveness. Jesus went to the cross to prove God's love for you and I. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Then he went on to say, for rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. That's why Paul says, I can't boast about anything but the cross. In our our text this morning, we're going to read right now. We're going to see how Isaiah saw the cross. So stand with me in honor of God's Word. Isaiah 53, we're going to begin reading uh, in verse verse 4. Yet He Himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. But we in return regarded Him stricken. Struck down by God and afflicted. But He was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquity. Punishment for our peace was on Him. And we are all healed by His wounds. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. But the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Father, thank You for the cross. Now speak to us today as we look at the cross. In Jesus' name, Amen. Go ahead and be seated, if you would, please. The Bible tells us that He was pierced for our rebellion. The Hebrew carries the idea of of, of a piercing wound that kills. Because Jesus' suffering was for us. He was in our place. The Scripture says He died for our rebellion. For our sins against God in our place. Instead of us. You see, the cross could have been yours and mine. And then He says He was crushed or bruised because of our iniquities. That word iniquity is a word that means intentional sin. When I was a kid, I didn't always do what mom and dad told me to do. Sometimes they'd say, now, Keith, do not do this. One of those particular things was mom would make, make an ice a cake. Those two-layer chocolate cakes, beautiful, you know. She'd say, now, Keith, don't stick your fingers in it. I still do that, don't I, Sandy. And my mom would always know. She still loved me. And that's what the Scripture says. God sent Jesus to the cross to die for us even though we intentionally sin. That word iniquities that's in that text means a particularly evil sin. And it carries along with it the, the guilt of conscious sin. And so Isaiah says, Jesus went to the cross even though he knew we were rebellion, living rebellion, excuse me, and living in rebellion against him. Christ died. And then it says, punishment for our peace was upon him. He was punished in our place. You know, I was raised on the board of education. I don't mean the Board of Education was charged with school. It was liberally applied. My sisters never stepped up and said, hey mama, I'll do that for Keith. Jesus did. Jesus took the punishment for my sin and your sin. And out of it, it says, we get peace with God. Wow. Because Jesus went to the cross, I can know God. You see, from the time of Adam, there was no peace with God. We couldn't come into His presence. Adam and Eve every single day. It says in the cool of the afternoon, God walked with Adam and Eve. Every day they had fellowship with God. When Adam took the bite out of that forbidden fruit, we all called it an apple, so whatever it was, that forbidden fruit. When Adam and took that bite, they were cast out of the garden. And no more did they walk with God in the cool of the evening. Now, we can go directly into His presence because we have peace. Because of what Jesus did. This morning, when I woke up, the second thought I had, the first one was, it's too early. But the second thought was, God, get me ready for today. And I could go into His presence because of Jesus. I didn't have to hope He heard me. Because of what Christ did. He says, we are healed by His wounds or His stripes, depending upon your translation. Because our sickness is spiritual, so is our healing. Jesus paid the price for our sin and we're forgiven. That's why the cross is beautiful. Because we have a relationship with God because of the cross. But secondly, the Bible says the cross is scandalous. That word scandal means a publicized incident that brings about disgrace or offends the moral sensibilities of society. That's the online dictionary. Merriam-Webster says, a scandal is is discredit brought about by religion by the unseemly conduct in a religious person. Well, the Bible calls the cross a scandal. Galatians 5, Paul says, it's it's a stumbling block. We'll read the verse in in a little bit the word the greek word stumbling block is the word scandalon instead of with a c it's with a k scandalon and it means it is the word we get our word scandal from the bible says because of the scandal of the cross the jews rejected jesus that word scandalon pictures a trap now my, in, in my mind, I remember all those cartoons as a kid seeing the coyote put a box and he'd prop that box up on a stick with a string attached to that stick and hopefully the coyote would go in underneath it and, and eat that seed and he'd pull the stick out. Well, that stick that holds the, the, the box up is the scandal on. And in a trap, that stick that holds this, Or, it could also mean a stumbling stone. Either one of those. And, and so, Paul says, for many, the Gospel, the cross is a scandal. For the Jews, it was a scandal. Why? Because the Bible says, and I'll find the verse in here in just a minute, uh, the Bible says that whoever hangs on a tree is cursed. And so they didn't want that kind of Messiah. They didn't think their Messiah would be cursed. They thought He would come from God. As I told the children, they thought He would come as a, a, a great military hero. They couldn't accept someone that came to rule in their hearts. It would die on a cross. It was a scandal to them. For many people today, the cross is a symbol of violence. It it's a symbol of death. We we see it as beautiful. The Romans said, "No, we've got the cross because it's so terrible to make it a deterrent to to rebellion against the nation." Because they they saw it as as. Whoever was hung on a tree, on a, on a cross, was disgraced. They were humiliated. That's why Peter came to Jesus, and when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to go to the cross, and Peter says, May it never be. He couldn't fathom in his mind Jesus being humiliated in that way. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, begin with the 18th verse of the first chapter. For the word of cross, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it's the power of God to those who are being saved. And skip down to verse 21. For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom. God was pleased to save those who believed through the foolishness of what is preached. What's preached? The Jews ask for a sign. The Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block. A scandal to the Jews. And foolishness to the Gentiles. For 2,000 years, the cross has tripped up people. And yet Jesus said it's by the cause of the cross people are saved. Was Jesus cursed hanging on a tree? He took our curse. Your curse and my curse. The curse that we all got when Adam was separated from God. He took it. When He said, as I already said, when He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken Me? It's because He had become the curse. And God can't look on sin. He was for the only time in eternity Jesus was separated from the Father when He took upon Himself your sin and my sin. And then He said, it's finished. It's all done." And He died. God looking upon Him. And, And the Scriptures say that when that happened, the veil of the temple that separated the most holy place from the holy place was torn from top to bottom. So you and I can have access to God. For anybody that tries to accept excuse me to get to God through any way except the cross of Jesus Christ the cross is still a scandal because there's no other way but through Jesus Jesus took our curse the cross is beautiful the cross is a scandal and lastly the cross is death, yours and mine. Going back to Isaiah 53, beginning with the 8th verse. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. For it was considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck down because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. But he was with a rich man at his death. Because he'd done no violence and he'd not spoken deceitfully. We're all familiar with the events of the cross. He died there between two thieves. He was buried in a a, a borrowed tomb, Gamaliel's, a rich man. Not Gamaliel's, uh. Oh, it doesn't matter. My my mind's gone. Uh, But we're all familiar with all that happened. We know that he was in the tomb. Three days. You say, how's it three days? Well, according to the Jewish way of reckoning, one part of a day is considered a whole day. So he was there Friday before the Sabbath, which began at sundown. He was there Saturday. And then Sunday morning, he rose. Three days. We're familiar with that. The Bible talks about when Christ died. For I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Did you get that? I have been crucified with Christ. Paul says "When, when Christ died, I died. You and me. We died to sin. When we received Jesus, we died to sin. We died to a life of slavery to sin. We died to our old way of life. When Christ redeemed us, our old self was crucified on the cross and put to death. In fact, when we're baptized, it points to that. Buried with Christ in His death. Raised to walk in a new life. Paul says, If any man is in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. When Christ died, He broke sin's power forever. Romans 6 says, For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, And alive to God in Christ. That word consider means to live as if it's true. Consider it. You may not be living there now, but that's the way you're supposed to live. Uh, Pastor and theologian Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote, uh, shared a story about a man who, after the Civil War, went to Texas and he bought some property, lots of property. And later it was discovered on that property was lots of oil. And so it wasn't very long before he was a multi millionaire. If he'd been today, he'd been a multi billionaire, but a multi millionaire. And he accumulated lots and lots and lots of wealth. And then he died. He had never married, didn't have any heirs. And so the lawyer in Texas contacted a lawyer in New York from where he came. And checked, said, see if you can find out if this guy's got any relatives. So he began to do a check and found out he had a sister, but she had also died. And her only living heir was her grandson, who was a homeless beggar living on the streets of Philadelphia. Well, this lawyer in New York checked it out, verified that this was indeed this young man got in touch with the lawyer in Texas and said, here's the guy, here's his name, here's where he's living. And so the lawyer in Texas immediately wired a million dollars to a bank account in Philadelphia. And he traveled from Texas to Philadelphia. And he found that beggar. Now if one of us had been with him, he, that lawyer could have said, see that guy right over there? Oh, you mean that beggar? Yeah. He's wealthy. He's extremely wealthy. In fact, one day, he's going to have $30 million when we finish the transfer. And so you listen as the lawyer goes to talk to this beggar. This is a true story, by the way. He goes to talk to this beggar. And he says, you are wealthy. You've got all this money from your heir. Well, he doesn't look like a millionaire, but he is. And he's not living like a millionaire. Like he has all these resources, but he does. What would make the difference if he would get up from where he's at and go get what has been promised to him and live according to his riches? You and I have been given life. God says, you've got life eternal, abundant in Jesus Christ. You don't need to live any longer in that, that life of sin that was in your past because you've been changed. I've given you eternal life, an abundant life, and a changed life. Just live it. Consider yourselves alive to Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, His death was yours. And because of that, we have life. So the Bible teaches us that the cross is beautiful. It's beautiful because on the cross, Jesus paid for our sins. The cross is beautiful because it demonstrates the love of God for you and I. But the cross is a scandal because a lot of people trip over the cross. They trip over the meaning of, of, of eternal life. They want to say, well, I want to go to heaven, but I want to do it any way I want to do it. Doesn't work that way. You either receive Christ or you're forever separated from Christ. Last night, I was at soccer game for my, my team. And I was thinking, unless something happens in those guys' lives, most of them will not spend eternity in heaven. They don't care right now. We need to love folks like those guys enough to pray for them and share them. I live my life before them. I don't get lots of opportunities to share with them, but I live my life before them. I thought I was going to be in the middle of a fight last night because there was a fight broke out and my, my body just starts out towards the field because I wanted to stop it. The cross is a scandal to too many people. but The cross is also our death. We don't have to live that whole life. Praise the Lord we have a new life in Christ. Evie Turnquist, that little singer from, I think, Norwegian, Norway. was Norwegian, I believe. She used to sing a song. And heaven never was promised. It's been worth having the Lord in my life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You that Jesus went to the cross. Thank you, Lord, that as He prayed in the Garden of Eden—excuse me, the Garden of Gethsemane—He said, "Lord, not my will, Your will be done." And He went and He gave His life to demonstrate Your love and to pay for our sin. And even though He didn't come to be the kind of Savior that that Israel expected, because He didn't come to be a a physical king, but a king to reign in spiritual in our lives, to be a spiritual king, I thank You, Lord, that that I've been given the opportunity to know You and to have Him reign in me. I thank You, Father, that I don't have to live that old life anymore because when Christ died, I died. And I pray for all of us here, Father. I pray, Father, that we're rejoicing today in the beauty of the cross because of what it's done in their lives. I am praying, Father, for them that and, and rejoicing with them that the cross was not a stumbling block to them. But pray, Father, that You'd open their eyes to those that it still is and that they'd open their heart to pray and to share. And Father, I'm praying that, that we don't continue to live in that old life, but we allow You to lead us and guide us and live for You day by day. And Father, as You deal in our heart this morning, May we say yes, Lord. May we do whatever You want us to do, Father, as You you urge us, Lord. May we be willing to say anything You want, Father. Not my will, Lord, but Yours be done. In Jesus' name we pray.